Well, I was telling those in the first service, uh, some of y'all may not know this about me, but I'm a big basketball fan. For any of y'all that keep up with basketball, I know a lot of you don't, but for those of you who do and follow the NBA, you know this past season was a, a, a big season for the NBA. For those of y'all who don't know, there were two teams that either tied or broke records when it comes to wins and losses. The San Antonio Spurs tied the single season home winning record with a record of 40 wins and one loss. They lost one game at home out of 41. The only other team to do that was the 85-86 Boston Celtics with, with Bird and Parrish and McHale and other superstars. The Golden State Warriors broke the single season record for wins. That was held by the Chicago Bulls. The 95-96 Bulls had a regular season record of 72 wins and 10 losses, and the Warriors beat that record this past season with a record of 73-9. and So a great regular season for these two teams. But the sad thing for these two teams is that no one is really going to be talking about these teams when they look back at the 2015-2016 season. Like it or not, they're going to be talking about these guys, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Though they broke no major records as a team, they beat the Warriors in the championship, and the Spurs lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder in the playoffs. The Spurs and the Warriors, though they had a great season, it was all for naught, get this, because they didn't finish strong. Finishing strong is important in sports and is especially important in our spiritual lives. The Bible has a whole lot to say about the importance of believers finishing the race, persevering, enduring, Till the end. It is important that we strive, believers, to finish strong in our spiritual lives. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 28. Believe it or not, we are finishing our sermon series this morning in Acts. Can y'all believe it? Been here for quite some time in a series I've entitled To the Ends of the Earth. And today, we are going to be talking about finishing strong as we finish out this book. And in our passage for today, though Luke leaves us hanging on Paul in that he doesn't tell us the end of Paul's story completely, he does end his story with Paul by highlighting Paul's continued faithfulness. At the end of this book, we see the Apostle Paul continuing to stand strong for Christ, being a bold witness for him. And in the extra-biblical historical books, we learn that he continued this way until he was killed, martyred for the cause of Christ. Paul finished strong. And there are some wonderful principles that we learn here once again from Paul that we can and should apply to our lives today, believers, so that we too can continue to stand firm in our faith and finish strong. Now, before we get into our passage for today, let's do a bit of a review from last week. Last week, we talked about Paul on the island of Malta. Remember, Paul is in Roman custody on his way to Rome. He's a prisoner on this ship. And while at sea, they get 
caught up in this storm, carried out to sea by hurricane winds in the middle of winter. And this was a bad time to be on the Mediterranean Sea in the midst of, of winter. They're in a storm for 14 days and by God's providence end up shipwrecked on this teeny tiny island about 18 miles across the island of Malta. They were on the island for the winter months, about three months total, and God used Paul on this island in a mighty way. It wasn't by accident, was it, that he ended up on this island. God's doing a work. God used Paul in incredible ways on the island of Malta. We looked at that last week. And in Acts chapter 28, verse 11, we're told that after three months, when the winter months had passed, Paul and the others set sail on a ship of Alexandria that had been docked on the island for the winter. And after traveling a few weeks by ship and on land, Paul finally makes it to Rome. And notice what happens when Paul arrives in Rome. Look at Acts chapter 28, verse 16. And when we came into Rome, Luke says, remember Luke's writing, he's with Paul. He says, and when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So Paul finally gets to Rome and we learn that he's still in in Roman custody, right? But he's just under house arrest with a Roman soldier. And so today, we're going to talk about Paul's ministry in Rome while under house arrest. We are closing out the storyline today on Paul's journey to Rome that really began back in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, when Paul said, after I've been to Jerusalem, I must go to Rome. And he con- it continues, this storyline continues in Acts chapter 20. Three. Remember when Paul is in custody in Jerusalem, the Lord appears to him and says, as you've been a witness for me in Jerusalem, you're also going to be my witness in Rome. And it continued by Paul being sent to Caesarea. And it continued by Paul appealing to Caesar. And it continued while they're in this storm at sea when an angel appears to Paul and says, hey, Paul, you're going to make it to Rome. And everyone on board the ship is going to be spared. And now, finally, after these few years, we finally have Paul arriving in Rome. So this is the end of this storyline of Paul heading to Rome. It's also the end of the story of Paul's earthly missionary ministry in the book of Acts. But there is also a bigger storyline that is coming to a close here that begins all the way back in Acts chapter 1. Remember going back to the very beginning of the book, we started with Jesus and his disciples. And before his ascension, Jesus tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, they're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit and they're going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And remember we said at the beginning of this study that this verse is a key verse in the book, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and it provides for us an outline of the entire book. After Jesus ascends, they're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him to take the gospel all throughout Jerusalem. Then persecution spreads the gospel on out to Judea and Samaria. And later Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas and Timothy and others take the gospel message and advance God's kingdom all over everywhere from Antioch all the way to Rome. 
hitting key cities all along the way. In this book, we have seen the gospel begin in Jerusalem, then move out from there to Judea and Samaria, and then move out from there all over the known world, all the way to the city of Rome. And again, when Paul gets to Rome, finally gets there, he is under house arrest. He is able to stay by himself, but he's got a Roman soldier there with him to guard him. And we learn at the end of this passage that this was Paul's situation for two years. He'll be in Rome under house arrest for two years. And it's during this time, by the way, that Paul wrote his prison epistles. The epistles of Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Philemon. That's just a little extra for you, okay? And many of the early historians tell us that Paul is eventually released from prison only to be arrested a second time, and that time ends in his death. He is killed by Nero in Rome. History books tell us that both Paul and the Apostle Peter were, were in prison at the same time in Rome, and uh, the, the stories of them in prison are really, really cool. They continue to, to uh, reach prisoners for Christ and Roman soldiers so they wanted to rush to get these guys killed to stop their ministry and Peter and Paul the history tells us that they were both killed on the same day Peter died by crucifixion and Paul by the sword because he was a Roman citizen so that's just a little history for you but at this time in this passage Paul's situation is a bit different. He has much more freedom, much more flexibility, and Paul takes advantage of that. So we're going to look at this passage in this book this morning, and I want to show you several ways Paul finishes strong in the book of Acts. And hopefully you're going to notice as we go through these points, if you've been through this study with us, that these points sound familiar. I hope they sound familiar to you. And the reason why is because when Paul gets to Rome, he simply continues to do what he always did in ministry. And he continued this until his death. First, notice this, point number one. He continued to look for open doors to minister. Paul continued to look for open doors to minister. Look at verse 17. After three days, now think about this. Paul's been shipwrecked. He's been on, you know, traveling the whole time. But after three days in Rome, he begins ministry. He did not let the grass grow underneath his feet, did he, before he got busy doing the work of ministry. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, now let's stop here for just a minute before we get into Paul's message here. Notice here, three days after arriving in Rome, Paul calls for the local leaders of the Jews to come and see him. And notice Paul continues with the with the approach that he used all throughout his earthly ministry when traveling to a new area. Who did he go and see first when he went to a new area? Who did he go see? Y'all know? The Jews, right? Yeah, the Jews first. And here we see he doesn't exactly go to them because he's under house arrest, right? But he sends for them. He sends for the Jewish leaders. Why? Because if you can reach the leaders, you can reach the people, right? And they come. 
And many are surprised by this, that they come to see Paul. But we learn, everywhere Paul went, the Jews wanted to hear from him. They were intrigued by him. They were interested in the man, curious to hear about his message concerning the Messiah. Paul was interesting to them because he was a prominent Jew from a prominent city who was trained in Jerusalem by one of the greatest Jews of their day, Gamaliel. So people were curious to hear why this great Jew had become a Christian. They were also interested on getting the scoop on what Christians believe about the Messiah. They wanted to hear that from Paul. Now, why does Paul go to the Jews first? Well, there are many reasons for this that we've discussed already. One is because this is the order God had put into place to go to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. Another reason is because... The Jews had a good grasp on the Old Testament. They had just left Jesus out. So it was, it was easy for Paul to show where they had left Christ out using their knowledge of the scriptures. Paul also knew that if he went to the Gentiles first, he might not have an audience with the Jews in that city later. So to avoid closing the door on the Jews, he went to them first. And he also knew that if some Jews were saved, they would be able to go out and minister pretty quickly in Rome because they knew the scriptures minus Jesus. And they also had connections with others in the city. So it's a very good strategy, right? So we see here at the end of Luke's story, at the end of Acts, Paul is continuing to remain faithful, continuing to look for open doors to share God's gospel. Believers, I hope you're looking for ways to share Christ with those around you. Listen, it it doesn't matter if you're young or old. If you're a new believer or if you've been following Christ for 20 years or more, we all have people in our lives, family and friends, who need to hear and respond to the message. And God wants you, he wants me, he wants us to share this message. You're going to be challenged again in your Bible study that you'll hopefully be doing this week to develop a plan to minister to those around you, those in your home, those in your neighborhood, those in your workplace, those you have an audience with. And I challenge you to pray about opportunities for that and and to put a plan together on how to minister where God has you to the people that he has placed in your life. So Paul called these Jews together. They came. Notice what he said to them. Paul says this, Brothers, Now, he's not referring to Christian brothers here because he's about to share the gospel with them. They're they're not believers, but they're Jewish brothers. So he says, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Verse 18. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. So notice here, Paul begins once again on the defensive. He's giving a defense, thinking they may have heard about him in Jerusalem. He defends himself on that. He wants to show his innocence so that they might then be open 
to his message. And he basically says what he's been saying, I've committed no crimes against Judaism. He he also lets them know that though he was kept in Roman custody, when he was examined by the Romans, they found no fault in him. He says in verses 18 and 19, the Romans wanted to set me free, but the Jews are the ones who objected. Now, you might think that might not gain Paul Brownie points, talking to the Jews in Rome and talking about, hey, the Romans treated me great, but the Jews did not. But notice, though Paul was wrong by the Jews, he's just telling the truth here. He says at the end of verse 19, I had no charge to bring against my nation. I don't have any issues against them. No, no hard feelings against my nation and my people. I love them. Look at verse 20. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. Here Paul cuts to the chase. He says, the reason I have sent for you and the reason why I'm in chains is because of this important message that I'm going to share with you. He has called them together to share with them about the hope of Israel. Now, what is the hope of Israel? It's the gospel, right? Paul's been talking about that, of the coming Messiah and the fact that Christ is the Messiah and that he has come and he has lived for us and, and died for us and was raised for us so that we through him could be forgiven of sin and made right with God. That's the hope that Israel was looking forward to. That's the hope of Israel. Christ is the hope of Israel. The hope of Israel is is the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Paul spoke of this when he was on trial in Caesarea before King Agrippa. He reminded the Jews then, and he's about to do it again here in Rome. He is going to remind the Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Same message over and over again. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises made through Abraham, to Abraham, and to Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and others, through prophets, to priests, and kings. So he's, he's getting ready to share the gospel with them, and notice how they respond before he does. Look at verses 21 and 22. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. Verse 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, this Christianity, this Christian sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So notice here, amazingly, they said they had received no word about Paul from their brothers in Judea. And there's different reasons given for this. Luke doesn't tell us why, but it could have been due to the fact that the Jews in Jerusalem, they knew Paul was innocent and they were planning to assassinate him without having an official trial. They probably didn't want want that news getting to Rome, right? Because Paul was a Roman citizen. And we've already talked about the fact that Roman government at this time, they, they did not approve of someone being put to death, especially a Roman citizen, without a trial. And they definitely wanted the punishment to fit the crime. In Paul's case, they did not have strong evidence that Paul had committed a crime, especially a crime deserving death. There was actually more evidence given to show that uh, he was innocent. So the Jews 
in Judea probably didn't want it known in Rome how they were treating one of their own because Paul was Jew was a Jew but also a Roman citizen as well one of their own from Rome but we don't know for sure we're not told for sure but but I'm just speculate on that that they might not have wanted that news to get out what we do know is that the Jews in Rome had not received word from Judea about Paul, but they had heard about Christianity. Do you see that? And what they heard from their Jewish brothers was not good. Notice they say, everywhere it is spoken against. But the good news is they wanted to hear it for themselves. They wanted to hear this message. They told Paul, we want to hear what you believe when it comes to Christianity. We want your take on it because we have heard it's not good. So notice here, a door opens for Paul once again to share Christ with the Jews. And Paul doesn't waste the opportunity. That leads us to our next point. Notice that not only did Paul continue to look for open doors to minister, but also he continued to minister tirelessly, taking advantage of every opportunity. That's point number two. Paul continued to minister tirelessly, taking advantage of every opportunity. Look at verse 23. When they had appointed a day day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers from morning till evening. He expounded to them. So notice here, that Paul looked for an open door to minister in Rome and a door opened for him to share the gospel to the Jews and Paul did not waste that opportunity. When they returned to him, we're told they brought more than there was before. They came in greater number. And notice we're told that from morning till evening, Paul expounded to them. The word expounded means he explained in great detail the gospel of the Lord Jesus. He didn't just give a quick gospel presentation. He didn't just hand out some tracts and then send them on their way. He didn't just preach a 30-minute sermon. He taught from morning till evening. Paul taught tirelessly. He took advantage of this opportunity. He, He had the Jewish leaders of Rome in his audience, and he taught them from sunup to sundown. Paul did not waste opportunities. He made time for people and believers. We should as well. We've talked about this before in this study. Listen, you will miss out on great joys to be had in ministry if you fail to make time for people. And also if you refuse to share his message. You'll miss out on great joys to be had. We must make time for people in ministry. And and when asked, we must share God's gospel. When given the opportunity, we must communicate it accurately and fervently and thoroughly to others. Paul did, and we should as well. Notice what else he did when he got to Rome. Point number three, he continued to meet people where they were for the purpose of leading them to Jesus. Look at verse 23. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. We're told from morning 
till evening, he thoroughly explained, Paul did, the gospel of the Lord Jesus, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus. Notice he talked about the kingdom of God to them. Now, the kingdom of God can can simply be defined in this way. It's the rule and reign of God in the life of his people. And the way we become a part of God's kingdom, the way we, we begin to have this desire to live under God's rule and reign and advance his gospel is through Christ alone. That's how we enter into the kingdom. That's how we're given this desire. We got to be transformed from the inside out. And it's only by Christ that this happens. It's not by being born a Jew. It's not by being raised up in a Christian home. To enter into God's kingdom, listen, we got to go through the cornerstone of the kingdom. We got to enter through the king of the kingdom. We got to give our lives up and over to him, surrender our allegiance to him, the Lord Jesus. That's the only way you become kingdom people. That's the only way. Where does Paul take them to show them this truth? Takes them to their scripture, doesn't he? Luke says, Paul spent the day, notice this, trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets. Jesus is the central figure of the Bible. We're we're reading through uh, storybook Bibles with Joy right now, and one thing we do over and over again that she's learned, it's real cute, but it's true as well. In these storybook Bibles, we're seeing Jesus all the way through. And so I teach her this. We say, Jesus, she'll go, Jesus is all through the Bible. You know, and she'll do it over again. Jesus is all through the Bible. That we, he is, right? He is. Not just the central figure of the New Testament, but the Old and the New. Paul spent the day in their scripture, the Old Testament, explaining this to them. And trying to convince him that Jesus is the promised Messiah who has come. Listen, he is the fulfillment of all the promises made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. He is the one our prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and others were pointing toward. He is the seed of the woman who crushed the serpent in Genesis chapter 3. He is the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. He is the second Adam. He is the cornerstone of the kingdom the true and better david the perfect passover lamb the final priest all of those things all of those things paul spent the day teaching them these things so here at the end of of luke's record of of paul's ministry we have paul doing what he always did in ministry he met the jews where they were in their scripture and showed them using their scripture that jesus is the promised Messiah. Believers, again, we are to minister in this way. We are to build bridges for the gospel. We are to meet people where they are for the purpose of taking them from where they are and bringing them to Jesus. Is there anybody in your life that you're trying to build bridges with so that you can faithfully share the gospel with them? A friend, a neighbor, a family member, is there someone that you meet with on a regular basis and are you learning about where they are and what they believe and why they believe it 
and where they are or where they are not spiritually so that you can meet them there and build a bridge for them so that they might come to know God through Christ alone. Folks, to be the witnesses that Christ has called for us to be, that he's commissioned us to be, and to finish strong, we've got to make commitments to build bridges with people so that they can move from where they are and so that they can come to know God through Christ. Notice what else Paul did. He continued to speak God's truth no matter the response. Paul continued to speak God's truth no matter the response. Notice the response, verse 24. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. So notice there's a mixed response here. Listen, if Paul had a mixed response, are we going to have a mixed response? If Jesus had a mixed response, are we going to have a mixed response? I've had people come away and go, man, you know, I thought I did, I I thought I presented accurately there, and it was like talking to a brick wall. Paul encountered that as well, right? And so did Jesus, and we will. Don't get discouraged. Continue to be faithful to do what God's called you to do, which is to be a messenger of the message. Paul did. He received a mixed response here, right? That was normally the case with the Jews. Some were convinced, others rejected the message. Look at verse 25. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Now, notice in verse 25, it says that those who rejected Paul's message, they departed after Paul quotes Isaiah. Paul quotes Isaiah chapter 6. Paul uses that to show the Jews that Isaiah talked about the coming of the Messiah and he prophesied that he would be rejected by his own and that the gospel would extend to the Gentiles. Some of the Jews didn't like that. And you know what they did? They rejected Christ and fulfilled the scripture, didn't they? Paul said, Isaiah said that his own is going to reject the Messiah, and they didn't like that, so they rejected the Messiah and fulfilled the Scriptures. And it happened earlier, right? To the Jews who crucified Jesus. We sing, the song we sing sometimes in here, Man of Sorrows, we sing the line, Sin of heaven, God's own Son, to purchase and redeem. And reconcile the very ones who nailed him to that tree. The Jewish religious leaders were to blame for Jesus' crucifixion. But get this, so are we. We're to blame. We are. The reason Christ came, the reason he had to lay down his life is because of our sin. Yet he did it to rescue us, to purchase and redeem us. It's a hard truth that we've got to come to grips with, but it's one we must understand. It's one that we must share so that people can be saved. And some of the Jews did, some of them didn't. They rejected the message and they fulfilled the scripture. But regardless of the response, Paul continued to stay true to that message, and we should as well. No matter the response, believers, continue to stay true 
to the message. One last thing. Notice Paul also continued to use his resources, his money and his time for the work of ministry. We see him do this all throughout his earthly ministry, and he did it while he ministered in Rome. Look at verses 30 through 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. So Paul was under house arrest, and he was there on his own dime. Now, have you ever heard of that? A prisoner paying (laughs) rent to be in a cell or to be under house arrest? Paul was. He was there on his own dime. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What a wonderful end to Paul's story here in Acts. He says, Luke says that Paul spent two years in Rome under house arrest at his own expense and he welcomed many guests and continued proclaiming, continued preaching the message of the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and he did it with all boldness and without hindrance. Believe it or not, Paul had a good situation at this time in Rome. Though he was under house arrest, he was given quite a bit of freedom. People were able to come visit him. He was free to preach Christ to them with all boldness, without hindrance. And I'm sure it did not bother Paul one bit to pay to remain in Roman custody to have the freedom to preach Christ to every visitor. Paul, like we've seen over and over again throughout his life, throughout his ministry, he gave very little thought to his own life he just wanted more opportunities to preach Christ and he would gladly pay to remain in chains to preach Jesus can that be said of you my toes are sore as well he paid to remain a prisoner so that he would be free to preach Christ Wow What a wonderful ending to this godly, fruit-filled ministry. But as you know, like we've been saying all morning, though this is Luke's end, this is not the end of the story, we know Paul continues to remain faithful and minister in this way till his end a few years later. And we know that if we continue on with the story, when the scriptures close and when we look into the history books, we see the gospel continues to spread on and on, eventually makes its way to us, and the gospel is still being pushed out today. Believers, this story that that began nearly 2,000 years ago continues with us today. It's our time time believers and the question I want to leave you with today is this how are you going to continue this story how are you going to continue here's my prayer for you I pray that you make a commitment with me today to minister in this way let's see the points again from today's sermon let's go back one look at these again this is my prayer for you I pray that you make a commitment to look for open doors to minister. 
I pray that you don't waste moments God gives you to be a witness for him, but that you take every opportunity to preach Christ and persuade men and women to trust in him alone for salvation. I pray that you believers would meet people where they are so that you can take them from where they are and lead them to Jesus. I pray that you speak the truth no matter the response with boldness and without compromise. And I pray that you use the resources that God has given you you, your time and your money for his kingdom work and I pray that you continue to minister in this way until your life on this earth is through that's my prayer for you that's my prayer for us this church maybe you're here this morning and the question for you is not how to continue this story and finish well but how to begin listen you cannot begin this race that God has called for you to run until your life comes to an end. Now let me explain what I mean by that. If up to this point in your life you've been going at life on your own, apart from and opposed to God, to begin this race, the race that God has called for you to run, you got to lay your life down. You have to forsake that life. You have to turn from that life of sin, which is a life apart from and opposed to God, and you have to turn that life that you have, your life, up and over to Jesus. You have to forsake your sin, look to Christ, surrender to him, trust in him and his personal work alone for your salvation and be saved. That's how you begin. If you have not made this decision for Christ, I pray you would today. Let's pray.